Welcome to the Woke Blokes podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Woke Blokes podcast. Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing here, joined as always by Nick Sutherland from MindFit. Nico, how are you going? Good. How are you going? I'm good. What's uh? What, what are you doing there for those watching on YouTube? Nick's giving me motion sickness. I feel like I'm watching the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> Funny story about that. I was in the army when that first came out. Of yeah. the movies, And we'd been out bush for six or eight weeks. So cut off from society. Yeah. Um, doing some training in the outback. I was based in Darwin. And we came back, and when you get back from an eight-week exercise, it's just you just you just want to escape. You want the first thing you want to do is brush your teeth, and then have the longest, hottest shower you can possibly have. Okay, um, and then you just want to get off the army base and not look at anything that's camouflaged. <laughs> and. And so we've all gone out to the movies. Um, so I was living on base with a group of blokes. And so the guys I was living with, we went to the movies. Um, and we came and we went for a few drinks at a pub and came home and there was a pile of rocks at our doorstep. And someone had put this pile of rocks there. We, we, we went into this completely cold. We had no idea what the Blair Witch was about. So we went in there and we thought it was a documentary. We thought it was real. So I, I thought it was real too when it first came out. <laughs> yeah. And so, the, and so for those that can't remember or, or haven't seen it, um, yeah, there was, a, there was a pile of rocks that signified something spooky or something fucked up was going to happen or whatever. And and so we've got home and another bloke that got home a bit earlier than us went out to the movies and saw it. And then he heard that we were going out, so he thought he'd fuck with us and put well played. Rocks in it. Well played. So we've come we've come home and four you know, big army dudes are coming along ah! and all jumped into each other's arms and <laughs> <laughs> could could barely sleep a wink that night. <laughs> Keep a look out at the window. Yeah. We're setting up grenades and landmines <laughs> and machines. We're like we're at bush again. It's like, right, let's get back into our camos. Reminds me of was that one of the early episodes of The Sim- Simpsons I remember and Homer's been left alone to look after the kids. And then I can't remember whether it was Lisa or Bart, but they said that the boogeyman was, was around and then Homer ended up believing the boogeyman was there and Marge gets home from wherever she was and they've got, the place is a mess. He's turned the couch up and he's hiding behind the couch <laughs> waiting for the boogeyman to come out. <laughs> I love for you. Whenever, whenever there's so many examples of when I say something and you go, oh, that reminds me of, uh, and it'll be, um, it'll be a cartoon of some description. Yeah. It'll be like The Simpsons or what, what are the other ones? Um, well, I haven't, I haven't watched The Simpsons in so long. Like South Park, South Park and yeah. The Simpsons. Yeah, you're always referencing. Well, they covered so many bases, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> That's like yeah, they, we, we they, used to we used to play. Um, uh, what's that? There was a game me and the family used to play called uh, Taboo. Anyway, you have to basically get your partner. You get a card and it has a word, and you have to get your partner your playing partner to say the word, but there's yeah. a list of maybe five or so words that uh, you can't say. Right. 
otherwise you you know you don't get it anyway and they, they relate very strongly to the the main word and um it can be quite hard but me and my brother used to play and all we'd do every time so remember the simpsons episode when this happened and blah and bart gave this to lisa and he'd be like yep bang bang and all but like that wouldn't be cards at all you know <laughs> you'd be in cheat mode yeah yeah it's simpsons cheat mode on on the, on the game taboo <laughs> well played so, and for our listeners, uh, this is our first episode with Hass is Back. And we need the Eminem music. Hass is back. Back, back again. again. Um, show oh. you with the, with the real Ryan Hassan. Please stand up. <laughs> That's me. I think. Hey. It's just a label that people call me, you know, at the end of the well, day. Who, who, are, who are you, though? Who is me? What is oh, me? Oh. This is, I think this is a topic for another podcast, Nick. Yeah, it's, it's too early. It's... it's we're, we're, we're doing this at eight thirty on a Friday morning. It is. Now, no, I'm uh, back. I'm back in Oz. I uh, um, last episode, I, I think I would have been in quarantine. So we survived quarantine um, with <laughs> with a two year old, uh, which you know it it sucked. At the end of the day, it was a long a long two weeks, but um, you know something that we have to do at the minute. And then uh, yeah, I'm yep. down. I'm down at the minute. Um, I spent a week catching up with some friends. You know, we went and played golf last week, um, which was awesome. We did so. We did, and we you won't drove the, You drove the seventh green with a massive drive. Yeah, well, you won at the end of the day, so. Yeah. yeah. It was good yeah, fun, though. Bit, yeah. I played golf with the superintendent. Remember that we bumped into when we were oh, yep. on the, on the Natal? Played golf with him yesterday. Um, and, yeah, and a few other, the, the grand staff, and he's like, I can't believe you, mate. Drove this green. Jeez, that's a big, big drive. <laughs> so now you're you're a bit you're a bit infamous around those. Parts. Oh, excellent. There's a few a few whispers. Uh, a bloke drove this green the other day. <laughs> so, it's like you... happy. Yeah, it's like happy Gilmore. Uh, I can't be known. It's like, ah, Mr. Gilmore did that no longer than an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic. Uh, Yes. Well, to be fair, I, I was on the fringe. I was about, you know, an inch or so off the putting surface, but I did putt. I'm giving it to you. I'm Thanks, mate. You, Thanks, mate. I appreciate that. <laughs> you um, didn't actually drive the green, but I'm giving it to you. Yeah. So I'm, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm acclimatizing. I had a week catching up with some friends and we've come down to Lakes Entrance now, which is, um, you know, regional part of Victoria. My parents live down here. It's a be- beautiful um, part of the world down here but you know it's about four hours from from melbourne the major city uh where we live and um yeah we're just spending a bit of time with the family and and relaxing and a bit of work and that kind of thing but yeah it has been a uh you know a period of change for me the last few weeks and we're going to make that the topic of of the podcast today because as well you know collectively you know we're going through change sort of the last six to 12 months you know there's been lockdown there's been coming out of lockdown there's been uncertainty about going back into lockdown so a lot of uncertainty and a lot of change and you know nick and i've spoken on previous podcasts how you know we have to start to become comfortable with change because change and inevitability because the universe is in constant change to to push up against change and not want things to change is pushing up against reality which is going to cause suffering of some description so yeah for me it's been interesting you know there's i'm acclimatizing to to being cold i wasn't cold for a year living in thailand <laughs> so it's been a, <laughs> been a little bit nippy the last few mornings um around here but also you know i think i might have spoke to you when we played golf last week like coming because we we're kind of like isolated you know being on Koh Samui and island and it was kind of just me mal and tommy and we had some you know some friends some locals that we were friends with and that but we we're kind of isolated from our main family and friendship group so we're kind of isolated to an extent and then we go from that into full isolation in quarantine up in sydney 
And then it was kind of, cause I'm quite a, a social person, you know, social's quite high on my hierarchy of values. And um, so when we came out and got back to Melbourne, I spent that week like catching up every day with, with friends and doing various things. And I mentioned to you, it was, it was actually a little bit overwhelming kind of mm. for the system. I found myself actually slightly disassociating so much. It wasn't, I wasn't in any distress or anything, but I found myself kind of, you know, I wasn't quite in my body because, you know, yeah. all of a sudden I've gone from very little stimulus to a lot of stimulus. Well, it's a, yeah, it's a lot of, lot of energy hitting you as well. And, I had the same experience when I came in. It was, and I, you know, I did the 10-day Vipassana retreat, but not talking for 10 days, not looking at anyone for 10 days. Not, you know, it's only a 10-day block, but coming out of that, it took me three days to readjust mm. because it was you go from nothing to everything. So that, that polarity was there again that we'll talk about later as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's sort of kind of what it was like. It was just sort of this, you know, I found myself, maybe the maybe it was the golf, but kind of the day after we caught up, I kind of found myself actually sinking back into my body again. Um, it was probably me. I probably, I probably just, you know, on some subconscious level, just, just created some ease. And some maybe it was those, those big bananas that we had in the bush. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm glad we didn't look at each other in the eye while we're trying to eat those. <laughs> <laughs> Question for you: Did Dad have the uh, the golf cart charged for you when you got down there? I've, I'm, he said it's all good to go. I'm going to take it out this afternoon. Um, okay. uh, they've got a wedding to go to, so they're heading off soon somewhere. But um, yeah, he said it should be all fine and, and ready to go. So I'll I will right. find out uh, this afternoon whether I start it and it starts or not, <laughs> or, or I get four holes in and it runs out of juice. Yeah, thanks, Dad. I've got to walk back. Uh, and you said that we're going through that period of change, and then you touched on the law of nature that everything's impermanent, everything's constantly in change. So I suppose our whole life is a period of change, isn't it? And, and the Buddha said that suffering occurs when we try and make permanent that which is not permanent, or, or which everything is not permanent. So if we expect, you know, um oh shout out to shane and alicia their their puppy dog passed away this week um yes. speaking of impermanence so to all those of you with a with, with fur babies just go and give them an extra big hug today um yeah but we when and and we talk about suffering and unnecessary suffering as well so you know the first of the noble truth to live is to suffer so we're going to experience loss and, and grief and I had a client the other day said he, he was driving along and he's got this over, overwhelming sense of sadness. And I said to him, okay, um, was that a healthy emotional response? And he's like, what do you mean? I felt sad. Uh, it's not, it wasn't good. And I was like, it didn't feel pleasant, but, you know, did someone pass away? Did you get fired? Did you, you know, your partner break up with you? Did, did you, did something happen? Because being sad is still a healthy emotional response. Um, in in the right circumstances, and and he had no idea, but he had an aversion to feeling sad. So um, he didn't want to feel sad. So he went in. He was experiencing some suffering, but then he turned it into unnecessary suffering by getting distorted. Uh, yeah, what, what he was experiencing. Yeah, what I find it's like, as a culture, I think we, um, I think both male and female, you know, there's this. You know, cultural indoctrination, which has gives us this aversion to a lot of these, you know, negative emotions. I'm doing air quotes mm. there because I don't 
we don't, there's no negative and positive emotions. Um, but it just helps to give us a frame of reference for, for guys. I find they go in, you know, when their sadness comes up, they kind of get angry that they're sad. <laughs> it's like, stop yeah. being fucking sad. So then, then it starts this loop that they're feeds getting off triggered. each other. So, so stimulus is external and internal. So external is what we experience in the outside world, but internally it's what we experience and our emotions are our thoughts. So, you're cruising along and then you, you get a feeling and and then you get so that stimulus arises and then you get triggered at that stimulus so you create because you've got an aversion to it you don't want to feel it then it just deepens that experience of it so you're just manifesting more of what you don't, don't want whatever we resist persists it's it's very yeah. very true you know and then we get that cycle and then i found then that's kind of the male uh go-to it's this i'm angry that i'm sad and that loop starts perpetuating and then um a lot of females is based on programming fr- from that point of view is like um i'm sad but i need to be worrying about other people you know, that's how I feel selfish mm-hmm. that I'm wallowing in my sadness. Yeah, and so so it's like- then guilt pops up for them, which is another, you know, there's, there's four forms of suffering in what the work we do and guilt is one of those. So, so they've yeah, got I'm like feeling- a, a guilt and sad loop and the guy's got yeah, I'm, I'm, fe- I'm feeling loop. sad, which is, which is a healthy emotional response, which is necessary suffering. But then they'll apply a distortion to it and then create guilt, which is unnecessary suffering. Yeah. So... Yeah, because yeah. there's nothing wrong with with sadness. Like right now, you know, obviously, um, Shane will be going through some a deep sadness and a grieving yeah. process because puppy's passed away. The but the reason why we feel sad in that situation is because we cared so much. Yeah, it's because we love well, the, de- so the depth of the depth of our attachment it, it creates the depth of our suffering. So yeah, the the, the suffering is um, um, the the attachment is the source of all suffering. Yeah, so we get attached to our pets and our family and friends and whatever. So when when they leave for whatever reason, there's that detachment. Um, but instead of going into a sense of gratitude and and being thankful for the time they had with them and, and loving all of that stuff and go into constructive thinking. Human nature is to go into that destructive thinking and go, well, this is fucked. It's not fair. They shouldn't have left. That shouldn't have happened. Why they, they, they've left too early. Like even, even that, they're, they're gone too soon. Mm. Uh, that's, that's, that's a human distortion being applied there because what is too soon? It's too soon for what you think. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's our own, it's that person's judgment, isn't it? Well, it's like, yeah. I wanted them around longer or, you know, yeah. st- statistically people should live this long and they lived a little bit less than that. You know, it's, it, it's a so instantly the, the, the ego kicks in. It's like, I'm not getting what I want. Yeah. And so I think what, what happens, we get caught up in that um, we, we spend so much of our life trying to get things how we want them. And then we'll have these fleeting moments where we're like, I think everything's the way I want. Okay, I've got my partner here. I think work hasn't been an absolute bitch the last few weeks. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got a little bit of money. Like we get things how we want them. And then it's like, we want to lock it in and have it stay that way forever. We want to make it, want to make it permanent. Yeah, it's like we want to turn two keys, you know, yeah. synchronously and go, okay, <laughs> locked in. But you know, let's if you play that out and say, well, let's say that you did that and you said, okay, I've I've locked everything and my relationship, my friendships, my work, everything's going to stay the same. That fast forward, perfect. Fast forward a few weeks, a few months, a few years, and you would be bored as hell. What happened if you if you asked the genie if you had a genie and it was like your last wish? 
and um, no, sorry, if you had the three wishes and you said, okay, I want everything to lock in and stay the same, and it'd be a couple of months down the road, even a couple of weeks, and you'd be begging that genie for your second wish to make things, make change a possibility again because you'd be so incredibly yeah. bored. Yep. Um, and I was talking to someone the other day about how those those periods of our life where we are challenged really creates the the strongest memories you know so if, if everything's perfect and, and the seas are calm and smooth and smooth sailing or whatever you're not gonna have anything that stands out to mm. to reflect on or to or to remember so yeah adversity doesn't feel good when you're in it but uh, uh, it's character revealing and character defining and um it does create that, that bank of memories that we can look back on. Oh, I remember when we walked from Melbourne to New South Wales and we did this and we did that. Like, oh, we had to sleep on the side of the road and the dude, the other weird priest tried to pick us up. And, you know, that, that was you're getting out of your comfort zone and you're, 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 you're alive there. You're experiencing things. You're not in that comfort zone, which is what nearly every human on earth is trying to do is to find a comfort zone and then lock that into place. Yeah, it gives you a reference point, doesn't it? It's um, yeah. it's like you were saying after the the you know the missions or camps, or whatever you're going with the army, and you just wanted to brush your teeth and have a nice warm shower. And it's like we we brush our teeth and have a shower every day, and it's not like something we're you know really desperately looking forward to. We kind of take it for granted. But if you're in a situation where you can't have that and you've been through some adversity, brushing your teeth in a hot shower feels like heaven, <laughs> but you have them every day and you're like, this doesn't feel like heaven. It's just, well, yeah, it's nice, whatever, yeah. you know, because you had a reference just, point. That's what, what we do. Because otherwise, we, if you don't have a reference point, then this perfect or amazing life that we don't want to change loses all novelty because we have no reference point there anymore. And all of a sudden, you know, as human beings, we love novelty and we actually, there's, we love change, even though we don't like to admit it, we, we love it <laughs> because, you know, I think back now and, you know, when we were starting the center and, you know, we were trying to, you know, get together money for the month's rent and it was this battle and it was all, you know, full on. And I'd be um, driving to mum and dad's for dinner because I didn't have money for dinner that night. And I look back now and talk with Mel and we're like, fucking hell, that was, that was amazing. But at the time I'm like, Oh, this is pretty fucked up, you know. Because <laughs> you have you've that reference in movies point. when, when you know, a couple move into a house and they've got nothing, they've got a mattress on the floor and uh, you know, an old kettle from the op shop or something. And then over the years, you gradually start building. And so you got to start with nothing and then build on it. You can't yeah. just go in and, and just want it all right now because there's, there's no. There's no depth to that. There's no. Yeah. Um, well, it's like some growth some, is what we're really doing. So everything is constantly in change. So that's that growth. We we need to keep growing. It's like people who want a quick fix, you know. And it's like yeah. you know, let let's say let's say there's two people, and one of them they both end up with a million dollars, right? But one of them, you know, worked their ass off for 10 years and put in all this work and had all these experiences and they get to the end of 10 years and they've got this million dollars and they're financially independent. And the other person just won the lottery and won a million bucks overnight. Who's more satisfied with that million dollars? And this is the reason, a lot of the reason why, you know, lottery winners, most of them end up losing all the money. Because um, yeah. like, I can't they look back and just, it. I can't look back yet, value it and be really proud and go, wow, look at that journey I went on. And I earned that because I, yeah. built, I built that myself. Dad, Dad said to me once, he said, um, nothing in life worth having comes easy. Mm. And 
I didn't, yeah, I was a kid, I didn't understand that at the time, but now looking back at it as an I'm like, damn straight. Like, you know, when you have to work through adversity, when you have to, you know, um, you know, if you're in a relationship, you and your partner have to work through things. You, you come out the other side and you, you're stronger for it. The relationship's stronger. The bond between you is stronger or whatnot. So it's, um, yeah, that, that we can't run away from adversity or hope we never experience adversity. It's, it's that, you know, go back to the Stoics, a more fatigue, a love of fate. Oh, and that's what I said to this client the other day about when he felt sad. I said, when, when, yeah, you because know, we talk about treating feelings like a visitor. And so I said, when sadness turns up and knocks on my door, knock, 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 and I open the door, I'm like, oh, it's sadness. I'm like, oh, hello. And then you know, they'll spend whatever time they need to there and then they'll leave. And then, but then when happiness turns up and knocks on my door and knock, 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 and I open the door, I'm like, oh, hello. I, I treat them both equally. Mm. Because the, I don't go into that binary, this is a good feeling or that's a bad feeling. I, I just acknowledge that they're both uh, feelings on the spectrum of human emotions. This is, this is my mental health that we're dealing with here. So I'm not going to hate that one and love that one. That that just would, would exacerbate whatever's going on. So it's just... I, I like that visual. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of thinking now it's like, if we're using that same analogy, you know, sadness come knock at the door and we open the door, I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to speak oh, to yeah. you. And yeah. so what happens? Sadness stays at the door and starts and knocking Sadness kicks the door in and moves in. And then, and then his buddies around. Yeah, and then, and then anger comes up and you're like, no, I'm not letting you. And then like there's a bunch of people at the door and then happiness, you come in, the rest, you stay out. And so you're in there trying to have a good time with happiness, but there's all these bangs at the door that are just actually even distracting you from spending time with happiness because you didn't acknowledge them. And all of a sudden you've got a, instead of having these feelings in for tea and they come and go, you've got this, um, you know, party and people trying to gate crash and, and noise. And, and that's where it's a lot of, of people control. are emotionally, I think yeah. out of control. Yeah. 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 So once again, something happens that you experience loss, you have an attachment to, to someone or something and the, the law of nature kicks in, the expiry date arrives and everything's impermanent. So, so that thing, goes um so sadness is going to rock up because because you the depth of your attachment is going to create the depth of the period of time that that sadness turns up yeah so if i really love polly my dog uh which i do well, she's old now she's got arthritis and everything so yeah the reality is she's not going to be here for i don't know much more time one or two years maybe if we're lucky um when it when an expiry date arrives, I'm going to feel, as you did with your dog, a, a deep sense of loss. Um, but what I'm not going to do is is let that emotion that knocks on the door, that grief, that sadness, invite all his buddies in um, and take over because I'm just going to sit with it and treat that emotion with respect because it's a healthy emotional response. Mm-hmm. And then... When I've processed it and done enough of that, it'll just leave of its own accord. And then the next day, happiness will turn up or something, you know. So um, I don't want to be afraid of or have that aversion because att- attachment comes in two forms. It's it's a craving, but it's also an aversion. So I want and I don't want. I want to be happy. I don't want to be happy. Uh, I don't want to be sad, sorry. So... Either attachment, either form of those attachments is still going to create more suffering. Yeah. And I found um, 
just something that happened with me it just sort of triggered a memory for me when yeah disco my, my puppy died and obviously i was just so sad and, and and weeping and that kind of thing and, and tommy was a little baby then and i remember uh because it happened you know at home and everything and i think he came out and i just i remember my kind of inclination and it's just it's funny it's like an automatic thing because i know otherwise but like when he came out i went to kind of like pull myself together it was kind of, and I think that's that's the comes down to this indoctrination as a, as a culture as well. Like you know, make you know, don't don't look vulnerable or in front of <laughs> other people or set a good example, you know. And I've, I found myself doing that, and then I was that you know, my knowing, um, I override that and like grabbed Tommy on my knee and just said, you know, he was obviously a little baby, but I said, you know, about our puppies died and daddy's really really sad, and then just let myself cry. But I just I really mm. remember now. That you know, as soon as he came out, because, like trying to get myself together, and it's like that, that's a problem as well because we do that a lot. We try and pull ourselves together, you know, around people and that kind of thing, and then we never actually have that feeling fully in for tea. It's kind of yeah, we're yeah, ush- yeah. ushering it out the back door so no one will see. So like, go out the back door, you know, yeah. someone's around the front, <laughs> yeah, exactly. hide in the closet. <laughs> And then you got this closet full of emotions. Just, oh, just the closet's shaking. Yeah, what the, What's like, going on in the closet? Nothing, nothing, nothing. A- anger, there you are. Where have you been? Oh, no, you stuck me in this closet the other day. Guilt, you're in here too. Been in here for fucking weeks. <laughs> We're hungry. <laughs> and I'm just getting more and more agitated. Uh, it's uh, and, and Go back to the, the episode we did with Matthew Pitt, my mate. Uh, and his the passing of his wife, you know, and he, he spoke about letting it in and then letting it out. But he didn't get distorted. He he didn't apologise for his feelings in front of his kids. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. There wasn't a sense of shame over being a human and having emotions. He had a really healthy emotional response that was in proportion to what he and his family were experiencing. So he and it takes more strength to do that than it takes to hide uh, and, and be ashamed or embarrassed. So he really stood in his power and just, just went, yeah, I'm, I'm giving myself permission to, to go through, through this process and the kids are going to see it and I'm gonna, the kids are going to guide them because I'm going to be okay so I'll be in a position where I can then help the kids as well. If he had have denied his emotions or hidden them or whatever, it would have elongated his, the, the process and, and, and brought up so much more um, and he would have been in survival mode for a lot longer and then he wouldn't have been there to help his kids. So. Of course. And it's also like you, you're teaching them such a profound lesson in that moment because when mm. we think that oh, I'm, I'm going to hide, I'm hiding this emotion from my kids and we're, we think we're doing a good job, they pick up on so much more <laughs> than you realize. So they, they know that you're hiding it even if you think you're doing a wonderful job. So in that moment, you're kind of teaching your children, oh, okay, so I'm understanding when, when I'm going through something heavy, I've got to just suck that up and, and hold it in. And you're kind of teaching them that for the future. Whereas if you can do that stronger thing and show those emotions and explain why you're going through it, be authentic, then you're kind of mm. teaching your kids, it's okay. It's okay to kind of let go. It's okay to be open and and that when when something has happened like that. And what a what a wonderful emotional fairly heirloom to hand down, you know, teaching mm. your kids how to have a, healthy emotional response that's of, the, the best heirloom you can pass down the most valuable one better than better than a chest of drawers okay <laughs> we um yeah i've been speaking a little bit about this you know idea of polarity and i suppose the the dualistic nature 
of what it is like to be here. And so like, there's so many, it's like, you, I feel you can't experience one thing without experiencing its opposite. They're kind of the, the two sides of the one coin. I was listening to a podcast uh, the other week and um, this fellow, I'd never heard of him. He's been interviewed and I was, I was really digging what he was talking about. And he was, the interviewer was art saying like, you know, it seems like we've got this history as a collective where we've, you know, been ruled by kings and emperors and dictators and this kind of thing. And we're, we're, we're you know, destroying each other and the, and the planet and everything. And this guy just said, uh, we're destroying us, each other and the planet because we don't know how not to. And he goes, so we're, we're learning how not to by doing it. Because mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't learn how to do something kind of without understanding or learning the opposite. And I was kind of like, fuck, that's, I, that really resonated with me and is so true. Because like you can't, I believe you can't really have a good life until you've had a shit one. <laughs> because you, you, know, you haven't yeah, got a reference. There's, there's so much value in all those, those times of adversity. So that adver- I talk about it all the time, but... The yeah, the depth of our struggles creates the height of our success or achievement or whatever you want to call it. The, the depth, the low, the depth of our low creates the the depth of our high. I suppose. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's like if I go, I think you've said it before. It's like if I go to down to a, a negative two, then I'll yeah. go to a positive two. But if I go negative ten, I go to a positive ten. You know. And and so that makes me. You know, we've been talking uh, about. The, the future of, of the mental health industry in Australia and whatever and lived experience practitioners and I'm in, in talks with the Defence Force Ombudsman at the moment and, and the Defence Force in you know, learning how we can help people who are in a similar situation to me come out and, and care for them a lot better. And I said, I think what, what these people need is people who have been through it. Because, you know, you can sit there and, and learn how to build a house, but until you've built the house, you don't really know how to do it. Mm. Um, so all these clinicians, and, and a lot of them are amazing, do wonderful jobs and have great insights and everything. But for me, I'd rather sit with someone who's actually been through it and come out the other side and has built the house and gone, oh, you know, there's this idea or philosophy that that should go there, but I tried that, and in reality, it doesn't actually work. It's a great idea, but the reality of it is, is very different. So we had to adapt and do this instead. And mm. so you've, you've got that that, and, and Buddhism talks about it all the time. It's it's experiential wisdom. You, you can't learn anything unless you go through it and experience it. So mm, that's uh, true. Um, I also think there's a disconnect with a, a lot of people with their own direct experience like it's kind of like we have this human experience and i feel like you know humans kind of go it it, it shows up in different forms more more socially accepted forms less socially accepted forms but these these different things that we go through show up kind of in all humans but a lot of people and practitioners i see they haven't met themselves uh in the depths of of Mm. these things let's say that you know, a lot of the issue, because I deal with a lot of uh, people struggling with addiction and a lot of the issue they've had is like, yeah, I've been to psychologists, psychiatrists, whatever it was, and they kind of have no idea about what it's like. And they've kind yeah. of, they, they're just, they've got the, the text, the, the text that they've read yeah, and they're yeah. like, oh, it's a yeah. terrible drug and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, yes, you know, having someone with lived experience is fantastic. But also a lot of the time that practitioner 
just they they have they've struggled with addiction themselves in some form, but they haven't met themselves there and acknowledged it and kind of been through the process of of seeing that. So if, if they did that that really, really deep work, they'd be able to so much more empathize and be able to be on the same wavelength as that person in front of them because they realize they've been through addictive stuff themselves. And it may be have just been in some socially acceptable form um, of, you know, it could be a food or just a couple of drinks or that kind of thing, but they just haven't kind of recognized that in themselves. Mm. And, and just as, as clinicians out there, clinical psychologists or psychiatrists or, or whatever, um, some are great and some are terrible. Uh, um, same with lived experience practitioners. There are, I know some lived experience practitioners yeah. who are still still unbalanced in terms of the the more in the advocacy. It's it's more of the plenty plenty it, of those. Oh, fuck, and, and they're they're not great for the industry as well. Uh, but it's the same thing. It's like you know, there's there's some good and shit plumbers. There's some good and shit um, surveyors, you know. It's, it's golfers. Go- <laughs> Do you know? I just remembered I, I, that podcast I was listening to. I listened. I was on the way to golf last ah. week, and because I, I, I paused the podcast, and I'm like, "Fuck, okay, yeah, we have to do the opposite." And then I'm like, I was thinking. So I have the I want to play good golf, but it's like I have to play shit golf to be able to have play good golf. I can't skip that part. So then it's yeah. like, oh, I'm not, if I'm playing golf, I'm still I'm on the way to good golf, so I can be happy no matter what. So how's this? Right? Jordan Spieth, who's a very very good golfer in the US Pro Tour, um, he he came out of the gates early in his career and it's just slaying it like they're like this kid's a phenomenon. You know, he's just he was he was just smashing everything and then he went through a funk and and the pressure of the media the expectations of society you know i've got clients dealing with these expectations of family and everything it's so hard to protect yourself from that Mm. um but he's done an amazing job of just uh, of shutting all that out um uh, but he understands the nature of it as well. That's the thing. He doesn't have an aversion to it or think they shouldn't be doing it. He understands that's the nature of, of the media industry. So he's, he's not getting agitated at them asking all these questions because he has this depth of understanding. So yeah, he's going like if you if you um like typed in his name in Google at Jordan Spieth, it had come up one of like the one of the first suggestions like what happened to Jordan Spieth? Cause he had- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it was, it was such a change. Um, but he he's lent into this sense of trust in himself that he's got the game, but the, he understands. And, uh, and I've been talking to so many clients about this this concept, we decided, this concept of understanding. But you know, understanding is the cornerstone to love. When we can understand something, um, when, when we get it, it doesn't trigger us anymore. You know? mm-hmm. So the understanding our partners or understanding society or understanding the way of the world, understanding the law of nature. If we can understand things, we're, we're so much more at peace with it. So he understands himself. He understands that there's an ebb and a flow to his skills. Some days he'll hit it great, some days he'll hit it bad. But when he's hitting it bad, you know, there's, there's a, an old school philosophy in golf that um, you find it in the dirt, you, you find your game in the dirt. So you just go out and you hit a thousand balls on the on the range. You just keep hitting ball after ball after ball, and you'll find it there. And so that that to me is a sense of force, right? You're forcing it. I'm forcing it. And Jordan Spieth went with a sense of flow, and he went, "When I'm hitting a bad, I'm not gonna." 
go to the range and hit balls. I'm just going to wait patiently uh, and just practice my fundamentals and, and do that sort of thing. But when I start, when I go back into that flow, when I start hitting it well again, that's when I'm going to go to the range and hit a thousand balls because I'm going to ingrain all the good mm-hmm. stuff. And I, I think I spoke about this on a podcast ages ago, but it just it just made so much sense that um, yeah, understanding our nature and, and the outside nature and the nature of everything really it takes so much less energy to, to keep moving because we're not in conflict or you know, getting angry or upset or a lot of unnecessary suffering, which is going to take us away from what we're trying to achieve, which is to get our golf game back on track. Yeah. Yeah. It's just um, really important. I think, yeah, by knowing who he was, he was able to really trust that the outcome would happen. And we're kind of bringing him up as well because he won his first tournament in you know nearly four years and then finished, I think, third at the Masters well, his last eight starts he's been in have been in the top 10 yeah you know, so, so it's is is the 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 flow is is coming through he's back and everyone's going he's back and it's so so weird to look at it I, I was chatting with a client the other day about yeah this this concept of understanding and I said if 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 a, if someone gets a puppy dog and they bring it home and then they start cooking they put the dog down uh, and they go off and cook dinner and da, 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 and they come back and the dog has chewed their shoes and done a poo on the floor. And that person gets angry or upset at the puppy dog. They they don't understand the nature of the dog. Mm. So it, it speaks of an ignorance in that person. It says nothing at all about the dog. The dog is just being a, a puppy, is just being a puppy. You know, it doesn't have control over its bladder. It doesn't hasn't learned the human model, which is we don't poo or pee inside the place where we live. There's no concept so, of that. No idea whatsoever. Well, we impose our expectations and beliefs. And how? What are you doing pooing there? You don't poo. Are you, you idiot. naughty? Smack naughty. The dog and, yeah, naughty. And smack the dog, and the dog's like, "What the fuck? How? Where am I? Why am I living here? This yeah. is terrible." That's abuse because we don't we can't yeah it is abuse and we don't understand it. Um, parents with kids in supermarkets, you know, it's it's the child's nature to want lollies. Mm-hmm. If you take a child into a supermarket with all this marketing glitz and glamour, and expect the child just to walk through and go, mm, I am perfectly at peace. I do not want any of the shiny objects that are here, and I am quite content within myself." And okay, mother, have you finished your shopping? Wonderful. Let's let's carry on with our day. If you expect it, <laughs> let me help you carry those, mother. <laughs> let me pay. I've got it this time, mother. <laughs> this one's on me, mother. You got the last one. You just piggy, piggy bank out. No problem, mother. I'll see you at the car. No problem. <laughs> um, if you expect the child to do that, then you are being irrational. You have to go into these situations with an understanding that the child is going to go i want this i want that that's cool mommy can i and if you react and get upset to that child that says more about you than it says about the child yeah yeah we've spoken about this a number of times it's like then if you say no and the child uh emotionally reacts it's like that's the whole part of being a kid is i'm learning how to emotionally regulate because i don't have the ability to do it so then to get angry at a kid for not being able to emotionally regulate is well, like you said, it's it's not understanding the nature of what's happening, and you're just you're you're then emotionally reacting, so you're being a child as well. Um, exactly. So this is we don't if we don't understand the situation, then we're going to suffer. 
Um, it's so true. And with coming back to, to Jordan Spieth, trying to link it in with, you know, making change and, and with our mental health and that kind of thing, he's kind of under the microscope of all this media and everything, you know, and it's like, yeah, Jordan Spieth's back. It's like, he can go anywhere. He's been fucking, he's been playing golf. He's been hitting balls at the range. He's been doing all that stuff, you know? Yeah. But it's like, you know, that's a real sense of maturity and trust in himself, like you said. And like what happens a lot of the time when we make change, whether it's in our life with our mental health, where we're changing some behaviors, is that if we can really know what we're doing is the best for us and we can, and through the process, you really should be getting a good understanding of who you are as a human being because you're working out why have I gone down this route of these certain patterns or, you know, why haven't I been able to make change in my life in these areas? Because what happens, a lot of people get tripped up because they make change and they start moving in the right direction, but there's kind of this lag period, whether it's friends, family, that kind of thing. And it takes them a while to adjust to your change. It takes them three months on average. I reckon Mm -hmm. three months for for those around. That that sounds about right. You know, if I'm just on anecdotal experience of clients and everything, that seems about right. Um, And so a lot of people in that three month window, um, if they haven't really got a good understanding and good trust in what they're doing and who they are as a human being, can kind of slip back into old habits because like, oh, I'm doing the right thing. So say, say it's drugs. I've stopped using drugs, but your family is still expecting you to fuck up. <laughs> so it's like yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. They, they can't get as excited as I am about the changes I've made because it's like the character in their movie is playing off a different script and it's going to take me a little bit of time to adjust to that new script. Also, they're protecting themselves because they've probably been hurt in the past, which is hard for people yeah. to understand as well. And they, they don't trust you yet because even though you may trust yourself, they don't trust you yet because you they haven't had enough experience uh, to... to, to create that foundation of trust again so it's like your your inner voice has to be stronger than the external voices and that gets very hard because we're so you know we're so worried about what other people think we're worried about being judged we're worried about what other people are thinking about us so you know people like you know jordan spieth in that process sounds like he's his inner voice has still remained stronger than the thousands of voices you know, in the industry of golf, with the media, with all people writing online, his inner voice sounds stronger. Whereas a lot of people can let those external voices bleed into their mind, and now the thoughts that they're having aren't even theirs. There are people yeah, who don't really that, know. That tells you how emotionally intelligent Jordan is, mm. and and how mentally strong he is. And, and that's what I saw when he first came out. How his mental, the the mental part of his game. Um, was probably for me his greatest weapon because he didn't get flustered when his ball was in a bad lie. He'd just walk up to it and he'd be like, "Right now, this is this is interesting. This isn't." He didn't go into. There's no distortions with him on the course. It wasn't a oh, fuck. I can't believe that's there. And what know, a bad break. You get, yeah. yeah, once you get distorted, you're not present. When you're not present, you can't make decisions that that moment requires. So, so many golfers. I go, oh, that's uh, I can't believe that. But can you uh, turn to their caddy? Can you believe that's there? How the fuck did that happen? And as soon as you're in that space, you're gone. So, yeah, I, I always had a – based on that, I had a belief that Jordan would turn his game around and come back and start winning tournaments again. He just needed time, as we all do when we're experiencing change. Um if we try and force it or wish it was here now or or whatever, if we have an aversion to what we're experiencing through that change, it's just going to lengthen that period of time until we achieve our goal. 
Yeah. So it's like the, you know, the, the bad break of being in a bad lie is like, you know, let's say I've stopped some sort of bad behavior and after a month or two, you know, I'll start talking to a family member about it and they're like, yeah, well, we'll just see when you fuck up again. And then you, and then you, and then you really let that get to you and say that shouldn't have happened. And this is when a lot of people can get into a lot of cognitive distortion um, instead of just saying, okay, they're still adjusting to my change, but I still, I'm still strong in what I want and where I'm going. And I'm not going to let that, that voice enter my mind and become mine because a lot of people then take kind of the, the, the easy option in the moment goal. Oh, if they're expecting me to fuck up, I'll just do it. If that's yeah. what, how people see me anyway, because we just didn't get through that period of change where other people could start to trust us again. It's so, I find it really interesting how two people will respond completely differently to the same stimulus. So it's, uh, you know, what you said then about someone says, are you going to fuck up? And they go, well, I may as well just do it anyway. That person will go down that path and, and that will trigger them to go down that path where another person will sit there and go, oh, I hear what you're saying and I understand why you're doing that, but I'm just going to reinforce to you because you don't trust me that, no, I've, I actually have I've got this. Um, and it's okay that you don't believe me now, So, but in time, it'll happen. So yeah. that's, a real, yeah. that's a real someone understanding other people's map of the world, you know, know, which, which, is big, which is a big part of this work, isn't it? Yeah. Because a lot of people Unders- are stuck in their map of the world and they they can't understand that everybody's got a different map. So they think that their map is the same as everybody else's map. So then when yeah. someone conflicts with that, we start to go into this, we get very defensive because we're like, why can't you see? And it's like, well, they've had different life experiences <laughs> that have made my, up their my, map. My map's better than yours. The ego kicks in. My map's better than yours. It's got to be right. Off my map. Yeah. <laughs> Come look, my map's better. But yeah, we're all a different map. Like two, two people can, you know walk into the yeah the same room and just see something completely different and that can be because you know maybe they're going to a talk and someone goes that was a fantastic talk that was awesome the other one's like i did not like that guy there's something wrong about him but maybe that guy was wearing a sweater or he spoke the same as an uncle that was a shit to you when you were a kid or something like that mm. just the map's different so the filters are different and either one's right it's just the subjective experience we're all so in essence we're all experiencing a reflection of our own map yeah 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 it was it was interesting. I just had the, the recollection then of a thought I had earlier when you spoke about Tatslotto, uh, and last night was a fifty million dollar draw or something. So I bought a Tatslotto ticket, and when I was buying the Tatslotto ticket, um, and it's, it's even interesting that I bought a Tatslotto ticket. Like I, I wouldn't know what the fuck to do with fifty million dollars. So I don't know why I bought a Tatslotto ticket. Anyway. Um, but I was looking at the other the other lotteries, and you know, there was a eight million dollar one and a two million dollar one, and you know, I don't know whatever whatever they are. I was looking through, and I'm like, no, 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 I want I want the biggest. I want the I want to I want to try and win the biggest. So I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just sitting here going, what's wrong with the two million dollar one? Like, why? <laughs> it's like it's with- like you'd be pissed off if you won the two million. That's that's the ego in play. That's hilarious. That's the like, that's the ego that's, in action. That's not enough. It's not yeah. enough. It's, oh, it's comparing. I'm comparing two million to fifty million. I want the fifty million because yeah. why? It's like if there was a, if there was a two hundred million one, you'd be like, oh fuck the fifty million one. I want yeah. the million one. And they, it never stops. <laughs> 
That's uh, why if two million was the highest and the next one was like five hundred grand, you'd be like, I want the two million. But it's like all of a sudden the two million is 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 perceived as not enough because it's in the context of these other range of numbers and the ego wants the most. We're funny creatures, aren't we? We're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> We really are, and that's the that's the thing as well. It's you know the uh, I love my clients because they ask such wonderful questions. And one the other day was was asking about um, you know getting on this path, and it's how it's continual. It's you have to keep going. There's there's no ends to this work. It's just once you start doing the work, it actually gets harder because you start seeing more and you see, you know it's a um well the un- more, like, more of the unconscious becomes conscious yeah, so it's yeah like some some people go oh i feel like i've i've gone downhill or something it's like you haven't i promise you, you haven't gone downhill you're just so much more conscious of all your unconscious bullshit so instead of seeing a little sliver you're seeing a lot more of through the matrix seeing what's really going on you're becoming more woke you're, you're becoming more awake <laughs> awake woke. to Awake, awake, awake to, to the dream. Yeah, well, yeah, awake to awake to the 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 nature of how our minds are, and yeah. So this client was asking, talking about. It. I said it's like we're um, it's never ending because it's, it's like a computer game, and it's like we we get to the end of something and we defeat the boss, but then we go to the next level, and then there's another level after that, and there's another level. And so it's a never ending game. We just got to keep defeating all these bosses, and the ego is usually at the end of the stage, and we got to keep defeating the ego. That's another great me. analogy from you, Nick. You're on fire with these today, because it's what <laughs> happens. Because what happens, we, we say that, oh, I like it. So it's like we go and we, we defeat the boss and then we go to the next one. But the, say the boss is a, a problem or an issue or a period we're having in our life. But then most people have this idea in their head that when I beat the first boss, then I have no problems anymore. Whereas, But the, people also think that the problem is is my work or my kids or my job or you know, something, but it's not. The, the problem is your attachment to what you think it should be or whatever. So that's why the boss is always ourself. We are always... In disguise. Yeah, we are. It's like we so defeat always... the boss and pull off the mask and it's us. And we're like, again! <laughs> it's again. like Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Like a Scooby-Doo. <laughs> if it wasn't for you to have kids... <laughs> so we're always could have been to, right. <laughs> we're always trying to conquer ourselves and defeat ourselves. I saw um this cool thing on uh, social media the other day. There, there is no actual god or Satan. God is actually just a symbol for higher consciousness, and Satan is a symbol for the ego. You must use higher consciousness to overcome your lower ego desires. Hmm. Yeah, this is the once again we're talking about polarity here, aren't we? It's yeah. like it's like the analogy of heaven and hell, the light and the dark, the good and the evil. You know, it's this it's this polarity that that human beings seem to have, and it's like we don't. It's like we can't. Heaven and hell can be tasted here on Earth, you know, and but we can't really understand and taste heaven until we've gone to the depths of hell. Well, it's it's peace and war. It's it's love and hate. It's yeah, you can't have one without the other. And this is why we're like, you look at all movies or plays, all, all art that we put together as human beings. And it's not, we don't go and watch a movie of someone who just, everything's going perfect. And then the movie ends, everything just went perfect. It's like, they're, they're, that's why the hero's journey is, is, is a thing. You know, there has to be challenges met along the way. And then someone who's going to help us. And then, you know, if 
there's if it's a love story, another lover competing for their attention. There's always this challenge, and at the end, there's some sort of resolution. The resolution can look different, but it has to go on that journey. It can't just be everything's great all the time. <laughs> I love reading fantasy books, and, and there's so much adversity in them. And but the, the yeah, it's it's the, the characters grow so much through the books when I mean, it's a really well-written book and that's that's what's really attractive to me is just seeing this this journey and this process happening and unfolding yeah so it's like we like we started off here we said everyone wants every, when everything's going good to lock that in <laughs> place so we want that for our own life but if we read a book watched a movie tv series where everything went perfect we'd go that was fucking so shit <laughs> But, but conversely, if, if we see someone overcome challenges and, and rise up and everything, we're rooting for them. We're like, yeah, go, go, go. But we don't do that for ourselves. We're like, no, no, avoid crisis, avoid adversity, hide in your comfort zone. Yeah. It's, 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 it's silly. It's like read, we love the story of an underdog, don't we? I always, Mal yeah. always says that. If, I'm, if it's something to do with sport, I'm watching something, she goes, you love an underdog, don't you? I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> no one expects it of them, you know, that kind of David thing. and Goliath. David yeah. and Goliath. Yeah, exactly. So I've got these, these Buddhist cards at work and I, I get clients to pick one. Um, and the client picked the path the other day. And this is the client that was talking about, you know, it's never ending. So it's amazing how the cards are for, for the clients going through. And the Buddha said that no one saves us but ourselves. No one can and no one may. We ourselves must walk the path. So the path to enlightenment is an how's that for accountability? Process. Sorry to cut you mm. off, but how's that for accountability? No one's going to uh, save yourself, save you. You know, you do it yourself. But hear how different it is to to other. Well, Buddhism is not a religion, but hear how different it is to Christianity or something where it's like he's our savior. Yeah, well, it's like, uh, hand, like hand 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 yourself over to this higher yeah. power. Yeah, and Buddha's like fuck that, do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I you, are you quoting the Buddha there? I am. I am. <laughs> Buddha, fuck, fuck that. that. Do it yourself. Do it yourself. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting it on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, just a Buddha meditating, and then in in, in uh, uh, quotation marks, fuck that. Do it yourself, Buddha. <laughs> so we, um. <laughs> And it goes on to say the path to enlightenment is an endless process. You have to practice diligently and with discipline. Eventually, you will become the path itself, and fewer struggles and sufferings will come your way. So it's true. It's like going to the gym. If you've never gone to the gym before, your body needs to meet resistance in order to get stronger. So you turn up to the gym, you're quite weak physically, and you start with light weights. But it's like once you once you can smash out twelve of these three sets of twelve, then you step up to the next weight. And so you've defeated those weights, you go to the next weight, and then you keep lifting them and you defeat them. So, you know, it's weird. Physically, we, we want to strengthen and grow when we put ourselves in those positions, but mentally or emotionally, we're afraid of growth. Um, so the, there's, a, there's a, a bit of a paradox going on there. Mm. Yeah, so I think um, we have to wrap up. You're off to a 90th birthday, um, which will so. be a party. I'm going to party, like party like it's 1842. <laughs> how, how would they party in 1842? What do you reckon? Uh, they'd be standing around having a sherry or something. and oh, It depends where you are, I suppose. It does, it does. A uh, sherry sounds about yeah. right. Sherry and yeah. uh, like a, a pipe smoking a bit of tobacco or something in there. Yeah. 
Um, it'll either be very prim and proper or it'll be debauchery. Go the debauchery, I reckon. It just depends. <laughs> it depends yeah, the two, the two polarities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just to wrap it up, everyone, I think, you know, have a think that even if you feel like you're falling short in some area of your life or in all areas of your life, maybe think that maybe I'm just in the process of learning how to not do this. And if I think uh, w- what I gathered from that is it doesn't matter where you are kind of on the spectrum, no point is better than the other. You know what I mean? No, that's we've got, to, we've got to use that spectrum thinking instead of that binary thinking, good, bad, right, wrong. It's just there's two ends to a spectrum and it's about finding the balance. Yep. And the part, you know, when we look back on the parts that we were so-called struggling, they're often the parts we look back on with the fondest memories. And that could be the moment that you're in right now, but we don't have that foresight that we'll look back one day and realize, hey, maybe I should have enjoyed that part of the journey a little bit more. But just trust that everything is impermanence. This, this, whatever you're experiencing won't last. And if it's if it's something pleasant that you're experiencing, savor it now. But don't get attached to wanting it to stay around forever. And if it's something unpleasant that you're experiencing now, do exactly the same thing. <laughs> just, just <laughs> it's 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 not going to last. So don't have an aversion to experiencing it. Trust that there's an ebb and flow to everything. And we'll just leave you with the uh, beautiful words of, of the Buddha. Fuck that. Do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's my next social media post. So good. <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll see you next week. Peace out. Peace. for tuning into the woke blokes podcast please don't forget to subscribe to the show also leave us a five-star rating we thank you so much and we'll see you all next time